Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Unleashing Possibilities podcast. This is Mark, and Christy is here. Hello, mentors. Wonderful to be with you today. In this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about a concept called the window of tolerance. And we know as human beings that we all experience situations in which we get triggered. So something happens, we experience life in some way, and we find it really difficult in that moment to work effectively with the heightened emotions that are coming forward or the thoughts that are ruminating in our heads. And in this moment, we can lose ourselves in some way. And trying to return to a state where we can fully engage with those emotions, meet them, it takes time and it takes practice. And so we're going to spend some time talking about what are those states and what are some strategies that we can take on. What makes this so important to us as mentors working with young people is knowing that the window of tolerance is not only about an emotional and a thought state, but it's also about our body, our physical bodies. Because when we get aroused by something, triggered by something, we can, as, as you said, Mark, like leave ourselves, leave our authentic selves, leave the qualities of kindness and goodness and care that we're born into, and act in a way that's not consistent with who we know ourselves to most authentically be. And there's indicators in our bodies that that's about to happen. And if we can help our young people start to name those body indicators, sense them before they enter kind of a, an over-aroused state, that we can help bring them back into the window of tolerance where there's a place of resiliency and a place of skillfulness about how to act, speak, and move forward in the middle of difficulty or challenging situations. So I love this topic of window of tolerance and thinking about how do we bring our awareness and understanding as mentors to invite our youth into the practice of returning to their windows of tolerance so that they can meet what is occurring in their life. And so a key concept of this before we dive further into the topic of window of tolerance is starting to understand triggers and emotional responsibility. Yeah, and so as we think about emotions that come forward for us, thoughts that happen, these are things that are happening within ourselves. And at times we may look at others and say, oh, you were the one that created this emotion or you brought forward this thought. And it really is our responsibility, our emotional responsibility to recognize that this is mine to hold, mine to own, and mine to work through and be with. What I find so powerful about that concept of what it's mine to own, it's mine to be with, is that it still is happening. It doesn't mean that I, you know, with withdrawal or I don't speak what's true for me or I don't set boundaries, but it means that when I am able to see what's mine to own, I can be liberated from the situation to become more self-generating, more self-correcting, and I can see possibility from that place. Instead of being stuck in the place, you did me wrong and nothing can be done about it. When I can start to say, I'm responsible for how I am now being with this situation, how I am reacting, the emotional responses that I'm having, allowing myself to feel them, but then choosing to act from a place of possibility, that's liberation. And that's what I hope that all of our kids get to feel at some point in their life. So let's dive more into window of tolerance. This is a concept that was first developed by Dr. Dan Siegel and was created to describe the optimal zone of what he called stimulation 
for a person to be able to function and to manage and be with life. And when we're operating within this zone or this optimal zone, or what we call the window of tolerance, this is where we can really manage and work with our own emotions and thoughts. So it's not saying that within the window of tolerance that we're not feeling uncomfortable. We are. We're just able to get to a place where we're comfortable being uncomfortable. So I can effectively meet it, work through it, be with it. I haven't lost myself. So if you're thinking about this window of tolerance and you have a visual image of it for the sake of our conversation in this podcast, it's the window is where we want to be. It's open. We can move within it. But if you think about I'm leaving the window of tolerance, then there's a place above that open window that we call the hyperarousal state. And the hyperarousal state is where we typically, we think of it as the fight or flight kind of place. It's where our nervous system is in a heightened state of arousal. And in hyperarousal, we can have outbursts, emotional overwhelm, panic, tight muscles, um, deer in headlights kind of experience. In our body central, our body sensations are oftentimes things like an accelerated heart rate, sweating, palpitating, um, and things to, that really show our body in an activated state. <clears throat> That's distinct from what we would find if we dropped below the window of tolerance, where we would call that the hypoarousal state. It's typically what we would refer to as something like a shutdown or a collapse or a numbing or withdrawal kind of state. And it's more than just I get quiet and observe. It's really where I go to a deep place of numbness, inability to speak, feeling of emptiness, um, kind of a limp body. My, um, I might, my body temperature might be cool or cold um, in a slower heart rate, slower breathing, but not in a way that I'm calm, in a way that I've disconnected and am no longer in contact with myself Um, others and in the world of the situation that might be occurring. So when we're in the hyper or hypo arousal, think of that as being outside of the window of tolerance or on either side of the window where we're not able to kind of move about the world in connection with what's true for us and in a way that we can observe our thoughts, we can notice what emotions are happening and be in the felt sense of them, Um, And we can attune to our bodies and help regulate our bodies. We've lost uh, a sense of function in that way. And so we're going to spend some time talking about how do we return then to that window of tolerance. And we want to think about being really present to noticing what's happening for us that gives gives us an indication that we might be in hyperarousal or hypoarousal. And why we want to do this is so that, again, we can help our young people start to understand what is their window of tolerance. And so there's short-term practices that we can do that help build resilience. And then there's long-term practices which help build the capacity to have a bigger window of tolerance over time. And so we think about hyperarousal. Again, our nervous systems here are in a heightened state. And so the intention is, what are the practices, what are the activities, what are the things that I can do in the moment to help return to a less agitated and alert state? So how can I work with my body to allow it to settle? One of the things that we say here at New Pathways is slow down to speed up. 
So again, because we are moving so quickly, or having the sense of moving forward, leaning forward really maybe in an aggressive way, how do we slow ourselves down to get ourselves grounded to where then we can meet what's present, which in this aspect is how, do we then can, how can we then speed up? So one of the things that we, we notice, there's evidence in research that shows that when we are in a very agitated state, we can lose contact with our breath. And oftentimes it can be very um, shallow, um, or we're breathing so quickly that we really aren't taking the deep breaths to really help calm our nervous systems down. So doing a lot of the strategies that we talk about at workshops, things like breathing deep into the belly, diaphragm, using techniques like the 478 technique where we're holding our breath for a certain count, we're inhaling, we're exhaling. I'd love the strategy of just if I'm in the moment, taking inhales in and then on the exhale, breathing out longer, so having longer exhales. So how can I slow my breath down and how can I make sure I'm getting enough oxygen in to help calm my nervous system. Another strategy is feeling the ground beneath us. So in that agitated state, right, we kind of lose contact with the support below us. So reminding myself that I'm here in the moment, I can feel the support of the earth beneath me. Also taking a moment to just process through the emotions that are here. Because in that heightened state, the emotions are present, I'm not working with them, not dealing with them, and now I'm just reacting. And so can I slow myself down in a way to be able to actually work through the emotions? So for our young people, that could be connecting with you. And are we encouraging them to do that? Hey, when you are feeling really triggered and in this heightened state, reach out to me. Send me a text. Call me. Let's have a conversation around it so we can figure out what's happening for you. Or it could be journaling. But in some way, how am I going to find the opportunity to process through those emotions? We can also listen to music as a way to allow ourselves to be with the emotions and meet the emotions. And then what are other soothing activities or strategies that we can take on to help calm ourselves down again in that short-term way? So it could be a self-hug, it could be rubbing or touching our body in some way, our arms, right? that could be a strategy. So how can we help ourselves to feel a little bit more calm through that soothing touch? And Mark, then similarly with the hypoarousal state, it's the state where we have disengaged, we've completely checked out, we've numbed out, um, and we're not able to actually re-engage. It's a, remember, this is a body state, it's a physical state, it's not just a state of the mind or an emotional state. Uh, our bodies have oftentimes, on the outside of the windows of, window of tolerance, has gone into shutdown mode or an overactivity mode. So in hypoarousal, this is where we need to get the body moving to get it re-engaged. And I can think about many times when I'm working with young people and they've gone into hypoarousal, that more withdrawn state, and I'm wanting to them engage with me in a verbal conversation, it's probably likely not going to happen because I first have to re-engage their body. And so this is where we invite the movement in this state. Can we get up and physically walk somewhere and talk as we walk? Can we do some stretches or yoga poses? Um, can we stimulate our own senses with sound, smell, taste? So taking a break to get something to drink, um, taking an opportunity to walk outside and, and take, let the senses take in the air around us or the smells in the air. But utilizing this as an intervention with our young people if they've entered a hypoarousal state or for them to know that this is what they could do to engage. 
Other things are then to listen to upbeat music, music that stimulates them, maybe has them want to move their body in some way. Um, And it can also sometimes mean um, I need to take a a quick nap just to reboot the system and then re-engage after the quick nap. So again, I I point to we can have youth that go to a hyperarousal. We can have youth that can go to a hypoarousal. Noticing what that is and for us as mentors to have these strategies, these these practices that we can do one-to-one with our youth to help them then start to see how to calm their body in hyperarousal or how to re-engage their body in hypoarousal so that their emotional response and then their thinking can also come back online with them. Yeah, so mentors, we invite you to kind of think about what is your default state when it comes to being outside of the window of tolerance? Do you find yourself in more of a hyperarousal state, more of a hypoarousal state? And again, we've shared some different strategies that we can take on to work with that. And as you do that, it'll help you to think about, and what's the state of my young person? Mm-hmm. Are they more in a hyper or hypoarousal state? And again, um, doesn't mean that it's always, but we do notice there tends to be this more hypoarousal state with our youth based on some of the traumas that they've encountered in their lives. So here's our call to action, mentors, is bringing our awareness and understanding to these new practices that Mark and I have talked about today so that we can start developing them in ourselves to also help develop them in our young people. So our call to action is practice these strategies to support understanding or becoming aware of your own window of tolerance, what pushes you to hyperarousal, and what pushes you into hypoarousal outside of the openness of the window where resilience lives. And then commit to support your youth in helping them to be more understanding of their own window of tolerance and take on those strategies to help bring them back in. So these could be things that you can do in your outings, in your times that you're in connection, and help them to develop the skill sets to be able to do that. And as always, we invite you to have a conversation with your program coordinator this month about what you're observing in yourself and in your youth and how these practices are helping develop the capacity for our young people to have more responses um, whenever they're triggered or in a difficult spot and for them to notice their own skill of resilience growing and expanding through your care and through the support of this program. And with that, we thank you for listening. And until next time, keep unleashing possibilities.